All right, church, let's go ahead and have our seats, but don't get too comfortable. Did, did Jonathan leave? Did he leave the room? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stall until Jonathan or Seth can come back up here. Seth is here. Uh, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Amen. How many were here during the first service? Let me just see. Double dippers in the house. Let's go. I love it. I love that. Second service, the atmosphere felt a little bit better. First service, there was a little bit of resistance in the room, and I don't know what that was, but we, we targeted, and we went after it. Um, I've asked these guys to come up and play because I just, I sense that we're in a season where we need to lean in a little bit to the Lord. And we're always in a season where we need to lean in, but I just sense that, I sense that there are seasons when it's critical that you lean in for your own victory. Sometimes there are seasons where it's critical that you lean in for the victory of those that are around you. Sometimes there are certain seasons, the Lord has brought me into these kinds of seasons, both spiritually and even financially, where the Lord would tell me very, very explicitly, son, this is a sowing season. Like it's time to sow for another season that is going to be down the road. Like, t- like listen, there are spiritual principles of the way the kingdom works. You need to understand. That's right. Like I think that in God, there's always this baseline and I'm, I'm just the kind of guy that I just want the baseline to rise constantly. But then there are certain seasons where God will grace us to go beyond the baseline for something strategic and something specific. This morning when I came into this room, I was, I was very, very sluggish. I was very tired, drained. And uh, I don't know if it's just because it's been a heavy season, but that just all kind of broke off of me as I, as I leaned in to the Lord. Amen. And then actually while we were in worship, I think some dots started connecting. I need you to hear me today. The enemy will always try to resist your spiritual momentum in God. Like, whenever you start making steps towards advancement, he will resist you. And I think that spiritual warfare in Western America looks different than it does in other nations. How many of you have been in other nations and you know what I'm talking about? You know that spiritual warfare in Africa and Southeast Asia and Haiti and, man, it, that, like, it's, 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 a, it's frontal. It's in your face. It's intimidating. But the enemy doesn't work that way here. The enemy works like, a, like an anaconda squeeze. <laughs> in fact, I was not... By the way, let me just give you guys a heads up. Some of y'all don't know me. I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth in this service. You just need to know, none of this is scripted. Like, we study, we get full, we saturate ourselves, and then we just say, God, ring us out. And it's going to come out differently in first service as it comes out in second service. It just comes out differently because of the different anointing. Some of it comes out because of the way you're pulling on it. There's just all kinds of different dynamics in the spirit that affect the way certain things happen in a room. None of this is cookie cutter. You need to understand that. But I saw this really weird reel a couple of weeks ago. And it was with this lady. She had this massive anaconda as a, as a pet. It was huge. I think it had to be about 10 feet long, y'all. It was in this big old massive tank, and she's talking to it like it's a little toddler. So she opens up this thing, and she's like, come here, sweetie, come here. Are you ready for your... And that thing, that thing rolled up like this, you guys, and it, I'm telling you, as fast it, as I could, I could see with my naked eye, that thing went, whoosh, latched onto her arm, and then before you knew it, all 10 feet of that thing coiled around her arm, all the way up around her neck. And then it started to just squeeze. And her husband's still sitting here videoing this thing. She's like, mm. 
A little help here, a little help. Yep, just, I mean, it was, it was nuts. That's called the definition of stupid, first of all. But it's also a great metaphor for how the enemy likes to operate in your life. And maybe I'll get there when we get into 1 John, but the picture and the word that I, that I got was some of you guys have snakes in your bedroom. Some of you guys have pet snakes, and you think they're okay. Oh, it's, hey, sweetie. Oh, it's just a little bit. It's, it's no big deal. It's harmless. And here's how the, the enemy likes to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I love it when you think that I'm just powerless. I love it. I love it when you invite me in. I love it when you pet me and you feed me. Because at the opportune time, Genesis 4, God is speaking to Cain and he tells him, he says, sin is at your door. And its desire is to have you, to crouch on you and to own you, but you have to master it. That's what God says to Cain in the very beginning. So anyways, where are we going with all this? I'm going I'm to bring you into my private life here for a couple of minutes. And then we're just going to, we're going to lean in. We're going to pray a little bit and we're going to get into as much of first John we're starting a new series today. We're going to get into as much of first John chapter one as we can. But I, I feel like my assignment this morning is to foundation some things or refoundation some things in the spirit by the spirit. For those of you guys who've been a part of Midtown for a while, y'all just know this is how, this is how we roll. I need you to understand. This is a conversation I had. I'm bringing you into my inner life. I had a conversation with Christy last week. Fear of the Lord came into my bedroom crying. Because I want you to look around. I want you to realize that a full church is not the goal. Never was. Maybe it was like 22 years ago when I started this thing. And I just didn't know any better as a young man. But I just need you all to understand right now that a full room with lots of people, that is not the goal. Now a full room full of people that are encountering God, that are engaging in the life and the power of the Holy Spirit, that are crying out for victory and authority and dominion and power and for the fullness of the Holy Spirit for their lives, for their family, for their neighbors, for their businesses, for our schools, for our city, and for a broken and lost world. Like, guys, that's, that's, that's the goal. The goal is that we come into this place with a hunger that is burning in our belly and that God shows up and that he meets us and that we are never satisfied. That we are never satisfied. The goal isn't that we just count people and we sit and we, you know, that is not the goal. The goal is we say, come Lord Jesus, make us a ready bride, make us a pure people, make us a people that are clean Make us a people that you can use. Make us instruments of gold and silver that you can utilize for your glory. That's the goal. The goal is that the hunger level, the hunger atmosphere, the water levels of hunger and spiritual pursuit grow in this place. And every environment that we go into, and this is not a works deal. Please hear me today. I'm not talking about just pulling up your bootstraps and just trying harder. I'm talking about that there is always a grace in God where he is always inviting us and he is always empowering us and strengthening us by grace to come in to who he is. I felt the Lord, I've been asking the Lord a lot now that I've, you know, Easter's over and baptism's over and all these big high watermark services are behind us, which, which dominate a lot of time and a lot of energy, moving into this space, occupying all of the square footage and cleaning out and all, getting all that stuff ready, guys. It's, it's loads of time and loads of energy. But now that I'm able to slow down a little bit and do really what the most important thing is, is to get before the face of God. I've been asking the Lord, God, well, how, do we, how do we steward this? God, what are you doing what is important to you? Like, I, I know all the conventional wisdom. I don't know all. I know conventional wisdom for transition and growth and season and all that. But, like, I hope you understand that God is in the middle of what's happening here. And you cannot sustain God movement and God activity and God momentum on fleshly good ideas. Are you with me? I need you to... Partner with this moment, church. You cannot sustain moves of God with physical, fleshly, good, worldly ideas. 
That's the best way to kill divine momentum. So I'm just saying, God, like, what, what do we do? And I just felt in my spirit, the level of prayer that has brought us to this place is insufficient to where God wants to take us. I didn't say that in the first service. I need to say that to those guys. But the water level of prayer, the engagement in prayer, the consistency of prayer, the intensity of prayer, the depth of prayer, the breadth of prayer, the life of the Spirit on our prayer lives, both individually and corporately, together, small groups, families, like the water level of prayer for what God is doing and wants to do. It's not sufficient for what God wants to take us. I need you to imagine a time where when believers gather together, that when people walk in bound and afflicted and addicted to things that they've been wrestling with, visual images that they're late into the hours of two and three in the morning because they can't stop looking, they can't stop being fixated on a television screen in a moment that God can deliver them. I need you to believe for that day. And I need you to realize that the water level of prayer that we have right now is not sufficient for that that God wants to heal bodies, that God wants to awaken people out of spiritual darkness, that God wants to lay a hold of people that have literally given over and made covenants and agreements with Satan himself, that God wants to show up and visit them in a moment. Like, what, like listen, this is not the goal. The goal is that the kingdom of God comes. The goal is that the power and the movement and the life and the activity of the spirit raises and increases. Spiritual hunger, spiritual fire, that's the goal. And I just need you to know, like I know that we've got a lot of new people and I love you, I love you already. I felt part of the weight of what I'm sensing is the Lord is like, listen, like we're just getting started. I feel that in my bones. And I'm not even talking from a number standpoint. Guys, I'm telling you, like, God is so, God, God is so passionate to meet you. Yes. And each and every one of you are connected to networks of people that are desperately in need of the reality of God. They're not in need of some old religious wineskin. They are desperate for the life of God. And it's you You're the vessel that he wants to flow through to touch people. You need to understand, like, the fear of the Lord hit me, Jade. Like, if if you want to take glory in the fact that there are more people here, fine, you can do that. But that will be your reward. When the Lord is saying, I have a greater reward. What reward do you want? Do you want the reward of freedom? Do you want the reward of intimacy? Do you you want the reward of wives that have been literally for decades, friends, crying out in the secret place for their husbands to encounter the living God? He's like, Jade, it's coming. Do you want that reward? Do you want that reward? Moms and dads, grandparents crying out for children to have an encounter with the living God. Son, I can give you that reward, but it will cost you. Salvation's free. Everything else in the kingdom costs. It costs your time, and it costs your devotion, and it costs a transaction of everything that you have. God will give you everything that he has, but it's going to cost you everything that you have. And you can settle for the things that this world has to offer you. Or you can say, God, I believe that there is something more valuable, more eternal, more purposeful, more powerful, more beautiful than I could ever imagine. And I'm willing to give you everything that you want from me in order to have the greater gift. That's what God is saying. It's hunger. God comes where he's wanted. God comes where he's wanted. And what I need you to know, that particularly those of you guys who are new, that I'm praying dangerous prayers over your life. In fact, I want to let you in on a dangerous prayer that I've been praying. I'm just going to just show you all my cards today. This Monday, I was able to finally get into this room and just pray so much work and activity and lights. And I'm like, "Ah, I just want to get in my room and pray for these people. Finally, Monday morning, 8 to 10 a.m., I just paced back and forth, cried out. as nobody in here. Just cried out the top of my lungs. I cried. I prayed out for so many things. Guys, this kindred retreat is going to be nuts. I'm telling you, ladies, come ready. Come ready. Men, Do everything that you can. Listen to me. 
to make it easy for your wives to get up there. Take care of the food, keep the house clean, don't make it a don't guilt trip. Listen to me, God, God, God's gonna meet these women. He's got something special for the women of this house at this retreat. I feel it in my guts and I'm praying into it and I'm believing for it. I'm lending you my faith and my authority and I'm lending you my anointing because I believe that God's gonna do something radical in our women. God's doing something in our youth, crying out for our youth, crying out for our men. But listen, to my, listen. you just need to know, Acts chapter two, verse one, the scriptures say this, when the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost isn't about four weeks, maybe five, something like that. But when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly, everybody say suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and he filled the whole house where they were sitting. You need to know that when God shows up and he does something, everything's not neat and in order. In fact, a lot of times when God shows up, he rearranges and reorients everything. To, like last year, I, I, I really believe, it's not the only thing, but I really believe that a big part of what God is, why God is doing what he's doing, at least in my life personally, this is what I felt like the Lord said, Jade, start with you. You, I want you. And if you will be faithful to allow me to do what I want to do in your life, if you will be faithful to press into me with greater hunger and greater intensity and just respond when I invite you. I will do so. I will rearrange your life and other people will eat the fruit of that and they will become hungry and they will be drawn to it. So over a year ago in the World Prayer Center, we started, we had eight prayer meetings a week. Monday through Thursday, 7.30 in the morning, Monday through Thursday, 12 at noon. And all I knew, the Lord said, clear your schedule. I want you to be at every one of those prayer meetings. I was like, Lord, that's eight hours a week, bruh. He's like, yeah. Get in there. And so for six months while they were having that, I, I mean, there were some weeks I didn't hit all eight, but a lot of weeks I hit four out of the, four out of the eight or six out of the eight. And I'd just get in that room and I would just sit and I'd hear the prayers of the saints and I'd worship and I'd read the scriptures and I would just get quiet and just slowly hunger, hunger. You want to get hungry? Get in hungry environments. You want to get hungry, get around hungry people. You want to get hungry, get around good food. Let the aroma of his presence and the aroma of his spirit and the aroma of his word get around you and let it awaken and evoke hunger for the living God inside of you. You lead one person to Jesus, you're going to get hungry. You see prayers answered, you're going to get hungry. You get revelation in the word, you're going to get hungry. You encounter the kiss of heaven in the secret place of God, you will get hungry. But you can't get hungry if you just sit back and you fill yourself with junk all the time. Some of us have no hunger for God because we're, we're, we're so stuffed with the sugary garbage of the world. So we have no spiritual hunger for depth and substance in God. So just get in that prayer room, God. Just on whatever you want to do. And all of a sudden in my private life, the Lord would start waking me up 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., come, son, just come sit with me. Spend time with me. Come look at my face. And you know what's been happening over the past almost two years now? God's just been doing personal revival because he comes where he's wanted. And this is what I want. I want a house that is hungry for God. Amen. I want a house that is hungry for the living God. If we have to lower the bar all the way down to make it so ridiculously simple for lost people to get saved, I just personally believe it won't stick. But I believe if they are born again into a family that is on fire for the living God, I believe something, I believe something of their salvation is going to stick. Because that's all they knew. I was born in a prayer meeting. I was born again in a group of people that were just radically chasing after God. This is all I know. This is what I was born into. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want for you. Acts chapter 2, the scripture says that they were all together in one place and suddenly the sound of a blowing of a violent wind came. Like I just told God, just rearrange it all. Rearrange my schedule. Rearrange it all. Rearrange my sleeping patterns. You can have it. And I just need you to know right now that when God comes, he's rearranging things. And I have no idea how he's going to do it. We'll probably end up having three or four or five services throughout the week. And I don't know how he's going to do it. But I'm just saying, God, do it. 
It belongs to you anyway. Amen. This house belongs to Jesus. It belongs to him. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to your money. It doesn't belong to some elder or deacon board. It doesn't belong to Brady. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to the New Life elders. It belongs to Jesus. And he is jealous. And he is jealous for the heart of this house. You guys will catch this. You just need to know it's, it's this from now on. Like, this is just who we are. We want and we need a move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here's what I've been praying over you. It's not witchcraft, this is Bible. <laughs> I'm just praying over, the, I'm praying over you. Verse 4 says, actually, verse 3, I love, I've just been praying this every day since Monday. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I've just been praying, God, would you let tongues of fire rest on every person in this house? And as long as you're part of this community of faith, I am praying that tongues of fire come and rest on you, yes. that they rest on you. Oh, don't be praying though, right? You can't control what I pray in the secret place, guys. <laughs> I am praying that tongues of fire rest on your life. And listen, you don't have to be afraid of that church. It is a gift Jesus said, hey, how many of you, though you be evil, know how to give good gifts to your children? If a son asks a father for a fish, will a father give him a snake? And you're evil. Anything you ask for in God that God is saying, I have available for you, he's not going he's, he's to switch it and give you something twisted. Everything. you Listen, some of you guys are so afraid of certain things in God because of things you've been told your entire life. And I'm just here to announce to you today that there is life in God that will blow your life away. You haven't seen anything yet. It's so funny. I was sitting here before Sidron got up, and I don't know where this came from. I was in a revival service as a kid. First Assembly Colleen, they had a guest speaker in by the name of Dwayne Stone. I was probably in the seventh grade, and he told this story that I will never forget. And he was talking about the baptism and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he tells a story about this kid that his entire life, he grew up eating orange peels. Orange peels. So he grew up in this real broken home and his dad would peel the oranges and give the boy the peels and the boy grew up eating peels. And one day, this older gentleman comes along and he sees this young man eating these peels and he says, what are you doing there, son? He goes, I'm eating an orange. He says, well, you're not, you're not eating an orange. You're eating orange peel. And he goes, no, this is the orange. I've grown up eating oranges my entire life. Whew. Old man pulls out an orange, takes out his pocket knife, starts to peel it, throws the peels away, and he cracks open this orange, breaks off about three slices, hands it to the boy, and he says, here, eat that. Try that. Little boy drops that thing in his mouth, bites down, Eyes light up, juices, like just dripping down his mouth. And the kid goes, what is this? He goes, son, that's an orange. Some of you guys have been living in orange pill Christianity. God is saying, I've got so much for you. I've got, it's juicy. I've got so much life that is bursting with flavor. Like, listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is good. It is good. Signs and wonders and miracles, it is good. The outpouring of the Spirit is good. So I've just been praying this. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And I just said, God, would you do it? I want, I want every single person in this house to be filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit. And I just, when I'm just praying the scripture and then it goes on in Acts chapter two, verse 17, it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit. Anybody know what the word says there? On who? On the pastors? On the deacons? On the bishops? On the elders? On the charismatics? On all people. And I'm just dumb enough and bold enough to believe that if God said it, I believe it. Amen. That on the last days that God will pour his spirit out on all people. And so I just said, God, do it today. Do it on our children. Do it on our infants. Do it on our toddlers and pre-K, our junior high our senior high, I am praying right now that God arrest the affections of our high school students, that he arrest the affections of our children, 
that he arrests the affections of our children, you guys. That these lesser loves of dating and Snapchat, these lesser loves that are stealing their affections, one glimpse in the face of the one whose eyes burn like fire, and it will deal with all of that. All the nagging goes away. They need a glimpse. They need an encounter with the living God. I am praying that your children and my children encounter the fire of his eyes. That's what they need. That's what they need. That's what they need. They need an encounter. Moms and dads, man, go buy you a little bottle of oil, walk around their room when they're not there, dump it all over their pillow. I'm telling you, man, and cry out, ju- cry out for Acts chapter 217. Cry like, like you mean it, like their very lives depend on it. Some of you guys are like, oh, mental health, and I believe mental health is a thing. And, but, but listen, some of that stuff will be dealt with if they have an encounter with the living God. Their purpose will come alive. Their identity will come intact. Right? Fear will be, fear of man and fear of their peers will be broken off of their lives. They need an encounter with the living God. And you, moms and dads, are the ones who set the tone and you blaze the trail. And God will show you how to do this. And people in this community will show you how to do this. We will link hands with you. We will go to your house. We will pray over your businesses. We will do this together. But God has more. You need to know today, just get this in your belly. God has more. God has more. We've settled. We have traded in life in God, eternal life. We've just traded it for religion that just placates, placates us. It's dead. God has more for you. So I'm going to pray into this. Take a few minutes and pray into this. Will you guys pray with me? Holy Spirit, come. You said that you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. You said that our sons and our daughters would prophesy. Oh God, I want our sons and our daughters to prophesy. God, their friends need our sons and our daughters to prophesy. Their friends that are wrestling with gender need our sons and our daughters to prophesy. Lord, their friends that are dealing with divorced parents and that are dealing, God, with the pressures of this life and suicidal tendencies, they need our sons and our daughters to prophesy. So we say, come, Holy Spirit, come to our children. Come to our sons and our daughters. God, mark them. Mark them. Mark them with the name of God. Mark them as beloved and belonging to the living God. Encounter them. Capture them, God. Capture our children with the beauty and the worth and with the power of Jesus. Lay your hands on them. Break every addiction. Break every generational cycle off of our kids, God. Reorder their affections. Break confusion off of them. Break sexual confusion off of our children and off of a generation in the name of Jesus. God, arrest our children, God. Arrest them in God. Arrest them with the love of God. Arrest them with the goodness of God. Arrest them with the justice of God and the righteousness of God and the power of God and the life of God. God, let it, let it, let it, let it start here. Raise the water level in this house. Raise the water level in this house, God. Spirit of the living God, raise the water level in this house, I pray, in the name of Jesus. God, I'm asking you today that you would grip our hearts again with the living one. Lord, I'm asking that you would rend the heavens, that you would open up the door and you would say, come up here, come up here, come up here. I've got more to show you. I've got more that I want to do in your life. We're just getting started. Oh, God, capture our hearts, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, open up the gates that the King of glory may come in. We open up the gates that the King of glory may come in. God, we open up the gates that the King of glory may come in. We want you. We want you. We want you. We want your rule and your authority and your power. We want you. We want your voice. Your voice. Your voice. We want your voice, oh God. 
teach us how to participate with you, God. Teach us how to move with you. Teach us how to go where you go and say what you say. Come, shine your light on our lives, O oh God. Shine your light on our lives, O oh God. Shine your light. Shine your light, God, on every dark corner of our lives. Healing light, awakening light. Oh, cleansing light. Light of God, come. Fear of the Lord, come. God, convict us again of sin. Oh, in a way that only you can do with the love of God, with the fire of love in your eyes, God, set a seal upon our hearts, the seal of love. Come, come, Holy Spirit of God. Open up, you ancient gates, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord God, strong and mighty. Who is this King of glory? The Lord God, mighty in battle. Come fight, fight on our behalf, oh God. Oh, Holy Spirit. Come on, Seth. Spirit, break out. Break our walls down. Spirit, break out. Heaven, come down. Heaven, come down. Spirit, break out. Spirit, break out. Come move on these spirits. has a word for some of you. There's this story where Jesus shows up to Peter and his buddies. They've been fishing all night long. They've not caught a thing. Putting in the work, cleaning their nets, capturing the bait, staying out all night long. They've been doing the work and it's been exhausting. And then Jesus shows up and he says, hey man, throw it on the other side. And there are some of us in this room like we're exhausted because we're at the end of ourselves. We've done everything that we know how to do. We don't know how to awaken affection in our spouse. We don't know how to awaken purpose in our kids. We don't know how to break sin struggles. And I just feel like the Lord said, hey, throw it on the other side. In other words, try something you've not done before. Let God, we always do it this way. This is how we do it. He's like, I got you. How's that working for you? Follow me. Let's throw it on the other side. Let's see what happens. We just sprinkle a little bit of Holy Ghost sauce on that. Huh? Let's see what happens. And some of us are in the room, and like we're like where Peter was. We're like, God, we just have nothing left. And I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, God, just strengthen us again to throw the net on the other side. God, strengthen us again to try it a different way. God, I pray today that you would, you would circumcise the ear of every single one of us to hear your voice afresh and anew. That the word of the Lord would be so clear in your ear that God would grant you boldness and courage and confidence to follow the word of the Lord. And as you follow that word of the Lord, you watch as life begins to unfold itself before you. God, I pray for this house. Lord, I pray make us an awakening center in this city. Lord, I'm asking that this house will be a house that is always forever devoted and married to Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm asking that you would cleanse and purify our motives and our ambitions and our heart. I'm asking, God, that you would baptize sinners deep in the waters of God. Oh, Lord, I'm asking that when people come in here and they get saved, God, they get saved real good. <laughs> God, they get saved in the deep waters in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that, we, that your presence would be so near to us as a people. God, we hunger and we thirst for the living God. 
In the name of Jesus, come, Lord. And God, I pray today you'd pour your spirit out on all flesh, on all of us, God, in this room. Pour your spirit out. Awaken our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Give my friend Seth a hand here, you guys. I have been warned that we have a memorial service today and that I cannot let the Holy Spirit go too long. So now I'm second-guessing whether we should even break open the Bible. But I think I can do it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to hit a couple of key verses. I won't, I won't take too much time in here. If you want to hear a, full, a fuller message, you can listen to first service online if you want. How's everyone doing? You guys all right? Okay, I've got so much that's just in this first chapter, but I'm going to hit a couple of key points. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to go verses 1 through 4. Beginning of verse 1, that which was from the beginning, this is an eternal faith. That which we have heard, it is a proclaimed faith. That which we have seen with our eyes, it is a physical and embodied faith. That which we have looked at and our hands have touched, it is an experienced faith. Are you, are you seeing this today? John is communicating so much in words. If brevity is the soul of wit, then John is one of the wittiest writers because he is imparting loads of doctrine in mere words. The faith that you and I belong to, it's an eternal faith, that which was from the beginning. It is a passed on faith. It is a proclaimed faith. It is a heard faith. It is a spoken faith. Every one of us are in this room because someone dared to communicate the gospel to you. And you dared to open up your heart and say yes and receive it and believe it. And now it is your faith. So it is a personal faith. It is an experiential faith, that which we've touched. And you can hear the echoes of Thomas saying, I'm not going to believe this until I can put my hands in here. What does Jesus do? Let's go, big boy. Put your fingers in there. Thrust your hand in there, right? It's an experienced faith. This is partly why the Holy Spirit in your life matters so much. Because it is the Holy Spirit who makes your faith an experienced faith. And listen to me, you will experience it physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Like for those of us who've grown up where it's just an emotional faith and you've not experienced life in the word, God has an invitation for you. For those of you who it's just been an spiritual experience and you've not like incarnated or embodied this in the way that you live your life, it's time to grow up. Because if we, if we hold to just like the spiritual realities of God, you have to understand the name of the game is always to live the faith out. The word became flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was with God in the beginning. And 14 verses later, here's where it's all going that the eternal nature and quality and power and virtue of the word, the wisdom and the logic of God are actually reality in the way that we live our life. The word must become flesh because this is an embodied faith. All right, for those of us who attribute more weight and value and attention to the spiritual realities of God while neglecting loving your neighbor, forgiving those who offended you, showing up, saying, I'm sorry, being on time to your jobs. You know what you're doing? You're discounting the reality of the incarnate Christian faith. And you're a practicing Gnostic is what you are. What you're saying is, is only those spiritual things matter and everything else, it's, it's just kind of, it doesn't matter or it's sinful. And that is not a Christian doctrine. The Christian doctrine is that God takes the material and marries it with the spiritual, and it's good. It's both good, right? So the world is always trying to, like, disconnect itself from the material. you got got two extremes here. you got a hyper-enlightenment or a secular humanism where there is no spiritual, 
right? And only the material world matters. Or you have the other side where you have a hyper-spirituality that is disconnected from living out our faith in the material order. And God is saying, both of you are wrong. It's a both and. That every revelation that God brings about in truth is to be experienced and lived out and practiced and matured and perfected in our lives. That's the kingdom of God. And that's what John is attacking here in his epistle to the community that he's writing to. Look at verse two. The life appeared. We have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Like John, you can hear the heart of a pastor. You can hear the heart of a father that John is writing to this community because they're experiencing, like most of the other letters in the New Testament, they're experiencing a measure of division. And the exact division that is happening here is actually stemming from this idea of Gnosticism where people are saying, oh, only the spirit matters and the flesh is sinful. So that's part of what's growing in this community of believers. And so John attacks this by verifying and validating the incarnation and the resurrection. And here's why. Because John says this, listen, if you don't believe in the incarnation or the resurrection, we have no fellowship one with another. We can disagree on a lot of stuff, and clearly we will, and clearly we do. But here's one thing we cannot disagree on. The fact that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man, and he was in the flesh, sinless, but lived a physical body and was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit to be the first fruits of our new creation resurrected reality. We cannot, we cannot differ on that. And one of the reasons why this matters, you'll see two huge themes throughout all of these five chapters. And by the way, if you're not reading anything in the scriptures right now in your quiet time, let me encourage you, read First John. Five chapters, you'll read it in 20 minutes and read it over and over and over and pray it and read it and memorize it and pray it and read it and watch what happens in your life. Because here are two of the big themes that he's addressing. Number one, God is light, which addresses this notion that sin is small. Like when we make, when we make light of sin, you make light of God. And we live in a culture, a fear of man satiated culture. We live in an everything-goes culture. We live in a moralistic, relativistic culture where now, like, you know, oh, we don't want to be so. I get it. Like, I don't want to be so. We don't want to be so legalistic. We don't want to be so hellfire and brimstone. We don't want to be so. I get all of that. But at the exact same time I say this, we are not the ones who get to dictate to God what is good and what is bad and what is evil and what is holy and what is righteous and what is unrighteous. You and I do not get that level of authority. In fact, go with me to 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 5. So then John is saying, this is the message that we heard. What is this message? We like, we heard it. Y'all, I laid my head on the breast of Jesus is what John is saying. And I heard him emphatically emphasize this, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. That's verse 5. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. So then John attacks these three false claims. We're in verse 6 now. These three false claims, which is, number one, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie. You would lie. The devil is a lie. You would lie too. Right? Because you cannot have fellowship with God. Intimacy. Heart-to-heart communion. If you are allowing something into your life without resistance, without opposition, without sorrow, if you're allowing that, here's what the scripture says, you, you cannot have fellowship with God. That's right. I know this, this, this is the part where it gets really, really quiet in the house. And this used to mess with me. I was like, well, God, what do you mean? Like, what, what if, like, I got sin struggles. I'm not fully sanctified yet. I'm like fighting this old man in the flesh. And I felt like the Lord said, yes, you're fighting it. But when we just say, ah, oh, this is who I am, I'm just a practicing, I'm just a Christian, 
I'm just like, that's just who I am. When we justify it, when we reason it away, when we excuse it, when we embrace it, when we accept it, when we choose it and take it on as part of our identity, well, you just don't understand. You don't understand my brokenness. You don't understand my pain. You don't know what my mom did to me. You don't know what my dad said to me. You don't understand what these past relationships did. And so we justify sin in our lives. Here's what the scripture is saying. You're not walking with God. You're not walking with him. You're not in fellowship with him. If we claim to have fellowship with God, yet walk, listen to that word, peripateo in the Greek, if we walk, if we make our lifestyle that of darkness, you are not practicing the truth. And you know what it's called? It's called self-deception. And the thing about self-deception is you never know you are deceived. It's like that. Hey, baby. <laughs> Y'all, it was twisted, man. <laughs> they scared me. But check this out. This is the last thing I'm going to say. I'm going to go to, okay, I'm going to go to verse 7, then I'm going to go to verse 9. Verse 7 says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. Now, verse 5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Which means, listen to me, which means that it is possible for there to be no darkness at all in you. Like some of us, we've just adopted this notion that, oh, like I'm just always going to, like I want you to believe higher. Jesus says this somewhere in John. <laughs> I think it's 1430. Y'all can quote me on Y'all can check, you can fact check me. I think it's 1430. He says, the prince of this world is coming. The prince of darkness is coming and he has no place in me, no place in me, right? Like that's the level I think that God wants us to get to in him. Like some of us have tried to get to that place in ourself, won't work, condemnation, frustration, right? But if you say, God, in you, I'm gonna just come into the light. I'm gonna just continue. Guys, listen, here's the word, keep going into the light. Keep pressing into the light. Keep embracing the light. Keep saying, God, shine your light on me. Shine your light on my poopy attitude. Why is it? Like, seriously, why is it whenever I'm in this, whenever I don't get enough sleep, I'm just like, why is it that whenever I get stress and I get pressure, like examine that and say, God, shine your light. Shine your light. Stop excusing it. Stop justifying it. Right? Stop looking for psychosocial patterns to justify. No, just come in. God, shine your light. Show me. Show me. You know what I do? Like whenever I find myself like snipping at my wife or snipping at my kids or talking about other people or getting, I just say, God, shine your light. And he is faithful and just. And every single time, friends, he points me to something that I haven't forgiven. He points me to resentment. He points me to bitterness. He points me to something that hasn't been healed. He takes me back to a place where I was as a kid. He takes me to stuff that I've been carrying. Just this morning, God showed me somebody that I've been holding and resentment and bitterness. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. Come into the light. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, in the fullness of light, here's what happens. Two amazing things. Number one, your fellowship will get sweeter. Some of you, listen, some of you are confusing church attendance with fellowship. Some of you are, are confusing your table group with fellowship. And as long as you're still living in sin and you're refusing to welcome the voice of God through other people around you into your life, you're not in fellowship. Some, some of you, just because you're around people doesn't mean that you are fellowshipping. You're not entering into koinonia. You're, 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 you're not experiencing the life and the light of God through them into your life because some of you guys are holding up walls. You're keeping the life of God out. And some of you guys are doing it consciously. Some of you don't even realize that you're doing trust issues. You're not experiencing fellowship. The life of God is in, the, is in fellowship. So one of the things that I hope that you hear, God is light, God is love. These are the two massive themes of 1 John. That as we walk into the light and we experience God's love, then we can walk into the light of fellowship with one another and we can experience their love and our love can flow from us to them, That's right. right? Fellowship is more than just playing cards together. 
Fellowship is more than just playing golf together, going shopping together, watching movies together. That's not, there is a level of fellowship. We're not talking about that. That's fun. We're talking about a shared life where the life, what God is doing in your life, the deep work can be shared from your life into the life of another person. God's answer to a lot of people's prayers is through your life. And God's answer to your prayers is through someone else's life. And some of us are mad at God and mad at me because things aren't happening in your life and you're the ones that are keeping everyone out. Okay, I think we're done. All right. Come on up here. Save me. Here's the good news. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this. If we confess our sins, some of you guys have this memorized. What is God? He is faithful and he is just to do two things. He will forgive you of all your sins and he will cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Friends, that's the promise. So you say to me, oh, Pastor Jay, I want to come into the light. How do I come into the light? There it is right there. How do you come into the light? Confess. Confess. You confess your sins. You confess your sins to God and you come into his light. You confess your sins to one another and you come into their light. All right, it's not an either or. It's not an either or. Friends, some of you in this room, I know this like is so scary, but find someone to confess your sins to. Someone who's trusted, someone who loves God, someone who loves you, someone who's powerful in God. Last week I sat at the table. Oh my God, it's such a sacred, holy moment. I'm sitting at this table. We're just all eating food and then all of a sudden we experience true koinonia. There's probably about seven of us around this table and each of us, they just, we just start sharing our story. And as one person would share their story, like tears would just well up and every, every single one of us are just breaking down under the weight of what the good work that God is doing in our lives. And here's what blew me away is that unprompted, unsolicited people just began, they began confessing their sins one to another. Man, I did this yesterday with my boy and I just came, I made it right. Man, I spoke this against you and I just need to make this right. And you know what happened? Light and life came to that table. And we could have kept it light but when we chose to come into the light, you know what happened? Life invaded the table. Friends, will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to bring forth our communion attendants. We have some in the front. We have some positioned in the back. I invite every single one of you, if you would, just stretch forth your hands. This table, I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit come that the Holy Spirit hover over and upon and breathe on these elements and that we have a God encounter with the body and the blood of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you make this a sacrament of grace to us? Would you mediate grace to every single one of us? Would you heal our bodies? Would you whisper intimate belonging? Father God, would you ratify forgiveness? Lord, would you convict us where we need to forgive others? And God, even at the communal meal today, I pray that there are people that we've been holding on to for years. And I pray today forgiveness would flow at the table of the Lord today. Holy Spirit, come.